Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. Good evening. With a big thank you to Monique Sabir for the last three hours of Out on the Patio. Uh, she'll be back next Wednesday from four to seven. We say our weekly welcome to Bite Into It. We've got um, Mr. Dan Salmon. Good evening. And we have Maze Wallen. Woohoo! <laughs> and I'm Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for joining us tonight. Tonight, State Schools Relief will be speaking with us about supporting remote learning. And what's, uh, we're also going to chat about what's up with the Free Fire Festival this year. But before we get into that, our regular news segment. What's been going on this week, Maze? Um, well, I feel like we have to talk Animal Crossing um, because <laughs> it feels like, you know, half of the world is on it. It is our mental health um, <laughs> supply at the moment. Um, and also, you know, these different virtual conferences have been happening, different virtual meetups and things like that. Um, and now celebrities and politicians have been using it not only to catalogue items and sell turnips, but also for talk shows. So, Gary, so people actually meeting in game. Yeah. Yeah. And how do yeah, they yeah. record that? Um, well, so they use the usual sort of capture card um, setup okay. that you need for a console to be able to live stream it to Twitch or something like that. So you plug your capture card into the console and then out of the capture card into your PC. So then you can go into OBS or one of those streaming. Amazing. So, so, yeah. so, sorry, Maze, I've got very little idea what Animal Crossing is. Are you able to give me like a two-second description of what we're talking about when we mention <laughs> Animal Crossing? I feel like I'm a bit under a rock for a while. Okay, so um, this is maybe the third iteration or third main iteration of Animal Crossing that Nintendo has released. Um, it's usually like their console game, basically. Um, and this is the first multiplayer version. So basically you play a small little sort of figurine person. Um, it's completely animated and you have an island and you develop your island. You have people coming and moving into your island um, and you visit other people's in-game islands. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really in line with that whole no man is an island thing. It's like every man is an island. <laughs> every man has, yeah. their, has their own yeah. island. Every man is Richard Branson. I love it. I love it. So um, who are some of the entertaining people, uh, like in terms of celebrities, hosting things yeah. in Animal Crossing? So um, so Gary Witter um, is a screenwriter and author known for co-developing Rogue One and oh, other wow. big, huge-name films. Yeah. And he's got a new hobby. He goes on Twitch, which is a big games streaming service, um, and hosts live late-night talk shows with Animal Crossing. That's so fantastic. He, yeah, yeah, he gets celebrities and politicians, so high-profile people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, and people like Elijah Wood. So both of those people have been 
known to visit um, Animal Crossing islands already. Elijah Wood went viral online for scouting for high turnip prices. Yeah. Wow. Turnip prices okay. is the stock market. So the word for stalk, the, yeah, in Japanese, um, is the same word as for stock. Sorry. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, the word for turnip in Japanese is the Got same it. price as for stock. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. And, yeah. Oh, Nintendo, so wacky, so cute. Yes. Um, but strangely incredibly functional right now. Yes. So I would like to – oh, yeah, I would Gary like to shout Wins out. Twitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. And, yeah, and every week, new episode. <laughs> well, um, thanks for keeping me in the loop with Animal Crossing. Uh, between you and Adam on Breakfasters, I've known yes. all about it, and I've got to say I got a, a good weekend trivia question based on all of this knowledge on the weekend. So that was Amazing. very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we can't, um, we can't pass the news in these times without doing a little bit of an, of an update on COVID apps. Uh, at the moment, the Australian coverage is pretty much focused on using the expression not currently fully operational, which just makes me think of the Death Star every single time. Oh, but <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of good articles to read about the state of that on um, the ABC, for example. Um, ZNet has some, some commentary. But I was interested in what's happening around the world. Uh, Apple and Google are building a beacon system to launch this month that will work on uh, the promise is it'll work on every smartphone on an opt-in basis, but mm. the foundations are anonymous. Um, the, they won't collect location. They won't keep central records. Um, so they're looking at distributed data collection and matching, which is in line with the sorts of best practice models that we're hearing recommended from experts in Australia, for example. Um, so that's that'll be interesting to see whether they get a bit more traction than some um, country-specific options where it looks like governments have built their own. We don't know if that's motivated by wanting um, more control over the data, uh, but we've seen yeah. them run into all sorts of problems. Exactly. And there's been a little bit of, um, you know, some people also saying that the government shouldn't be using their Amazon web services for Australia's app because foreign nationals might be might have access to it that way, you know, like Amazon that's, workers or something. That's kind of interesting because um, Amazon were one of the first, you know, cloud service hosts to put a lot of rigour into their uh, separate territory uh, servers and put up boundaries around those. Um, so I'm not sure that I buy that that particular risk. But um, one mm. of the, the strengths of having... Um, an Apple Google built system that might be a bit more generalized and, and encompass a whole lot of different phones and services is that if people start traveling, um, they have yeah, the potential exactly. to use one type of beacon for all phones globally that have opted in um, and then still tap into different uh, different national databases of people as, as people report being ill and they need to sort of disseminate that information. It's a very interesting idea, um, a, a pretty tricky problem. It is tricky, but, you know, even just thinking about, well, apps, you know, this technology is global, people are more global now, so why why isn't the solution more global? I think it makes more sense. 
Um, I think that's so true. Mm. You know, we keep being promised a, a completely compartmentalised phone. Is it the free phone? And that's still a project that's um, that's out and it's, I think it's available in the UK, but mm. it's so expensive and, um, oh. you know, the modular idea makes a lot of sense, but yep. it's just not got the traction yet. And, um, yeah, there's got to be some conversations about standardisation. It's happening mm. in the EU to a degree uh, in terms of um, phone charging cords, for example. That's starting mm. to Yeah, exactly. To yeah. I had something with Apple, like, trying to get them to move to normal USB-C. Yeah, yeah. Like so it'll that. be interesting yeah. to see if we get a bit of progress there. It's certainly something I'd like to see consumers agitate on and and, um, and help motivate with their purchases. Definitely. But, it, you know, it's not the easiest thing of, while all of these monopolies exist, they also have control over the information. Yep, and absolute incentives to to have, um, mm. you know, to differentiate on everything, every little gadget. Yep. Mace, did you see the um, the news that Tim Bray has very publicly resigned yeah. from Amazon Web Services and blogged about it? I think that th- this is very cool. I think that. Yeah, if anything, this is going to strengthen more union action and give people who feel like that they are powerless some more solidarity and some someone to sort of look towards who did sacrifice a lot. Yeah, um, so Tim is pretty famous in, in the tech industry for our listeners. Um, he's one of the people who contributed to the XML standard back when he worked at Sun Microsystems. Um, he's now very senior in AWS, uh, a vice president. He... Um, he wrote a very angry blog post about how the logistics side of Amazon is managing safety for workers there. And this follows a couple of UX designers um, resigning after um, after speaking out about, you know, mm. unionising efforts within, um, within the logistics kind of warehouse uh, supply type side of Amazon. You know, they're like, we're, we're in the luxurious offices and we get to have this yep. sort of quality of life and our, um, our colleagues aren't afforded the same, the same uh, comfort. It, it's, it's good to see that this is coming to light, particularly, you know, in the context that everyone's work situation is massively in flux at the moment, particularly people who, you know, are in precarious or low-paid work. Um, I don't know anyone who does, who has, you know, worked in an Amazon warehouse or what are they called? Um, they've got a name, something centres, fulfilment mm-hmm. centres. Yes. Yeah. Ah, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> And, but it's just it's yeah. so it's Half so 1984. Life. It's such a 1984 word for like a, yes, what is yeah. basically a warehouse, and double speak. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's double speak. And but uh, it's it's nice to see that it's um it's getting a lot more kind of um, I suppose light being shone on this uh, because you know work work conditions are a very important thing. I think you know now more than ever people are realizing just how important it is to have a supportive and safe work environment. Yeah, look, and they're incredibly busy at this time when when so many people are are tied to their homes and and want to avoid going out and about. Um, Deliveries have gone through the roof. Quite a different position being seen at at Lyft and at Airbnb. Airbnb having to let go of 25% by some estimates of its workforce. Um, That was an unexpected, you know, thing to happen. They were going so strongly and suddenly a pandemic wipes out, you know, a lot of their business. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, I I do love a, a a burning 
quit email whenever I can't remember there was one a few weeks ago where someone basically just mic dropped in on a you know a blog about how you know if I wanted to uh, you know I can't remember but but people who just <laughs> save you me like here guys I can't talk I like a ranty a ranty blog <laughs> I like a ranty blog I've, I'm I'm all oh, I'm one for burning your bridges when you leave a job well yeah <laughs> all right well I think um, that's enough of the news for this week have we got some music Dan. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Evening. It's 7.18pm. You're on Triple R with Bite Into It. This evening we have Dan, Mays and Vanessa with you. Thanks for joining us. We've all had to make changes during lockdown. Students have had particular challenges with accessing remote learning. Tonight, Sue Karzis, CEO of the not-for-profit organisation State Schools Relief, joins us to share student struggles and ways that they're helping out. Welcome, Sue. Are you there, Sue? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? We can now. Hi. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So um, I, I wondered in regular times, what do we know about the amount of students experiencing any sorts of um, socioeconomic disadvantage in our community? Yeah, we know that the number is much larger than perhaps um, most people realise. That You know, one in six Victorian young children are actually living in poverty. Um, so that means, you know, not always knowing where their next meal is coming from, the family struggling to pay for utility bills or... But it is a much bigger um, problem, I guess, than most people realise. And could you tell us some of the more traditional ways that Skate Schools Relief has helped out children? Yeah, sure. um, Skate Schools Relief started in the Great Depression, so 90 years ago this year. Um, And it started because kids weren't coming to school because they didn't have food and clothes. Um, It was started by a group of teachers at Elston Week State School. So um, we've to our traditions in some ways in that um, what we normally do is provide school uniforms, school bags, graphing calculators, work boots for VCAL students, anything that kids need to get them to school looking and feeling like anyone else. Um, and then we've changed our model in more recent times, obviously. So, so, so Sue, obviously, you know, we're, we're in an unprecedented moment here in history and we're, yeah. we're, we're seeing, you know, Massive changes in how how people are you know interacting not not least you know how kids are learning. Um, what what was your immediate priority when you know the the idea of working or doing education from home started being flagged by the powers that be? My first thought was, oh, how are we going to help these you know scores of of young people and children who simply won't have the tools to engage remotely. And what I had to do was actually get permission from our board to completely change our model, so to use all the funding that we would normally use in our ordinary um, applications and pivot that to make it, it to put that money towards devices and internet, USBs, furniture and stationary packs. But it all had to be done really quickly as well. So it's a matter of we had to source the devices, which sounds funny, but they weren't that easy to source because everybody was buying laptops and um, you know devices to be able to work from home. So it was a matter of finding what we needed and then getting it out as quickly as possible to help as many children as we could. 
Yeah, we can only imagine there's been a run on um, radio equipment at the same time, everything that anyone might need to, to work remotely. Uh, the demand has been tremendous. Sue, so it's a particularly stressful time for Year 12 students. How have you found out about their needs? We work, um, we work actually with the state government so that we they actually have lists of, of the most disadvantaged schools. So we started there and we started targeting the Year 12 students in the uh, 230 most disadvantaged schools, and um, we prioritise students in that order. So the Year 12s and those schools got the devices before anybody else did for, for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, the stress of having a device, and we've, I can't tell you the number of um, young people who have been trying to learn using an old, uh, you know, mobile phone. I mean, can you imagine that? No, uh, it's, um, you know, it... it, it almost seems like a necessity now um, in terms of, you know, the, the technology that's been required. Um, are, are, we, are we seeing... Well, actually, going back to kind of the, the, the kind of fundamentals of what you, what you guys do, what, what is the sort of, I suppose, the rate of students who need the kind of help that um, uh, you guys provide, that schools, uh, State Schools Relief provides? Yep, um, I think people are quite surprised when they see the size of our operations. Last year, we did over 56,000 applications. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> and it, and it's pretty shocking, too, to think. Yeah. 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 But to put that into perspective, just in the last three weeks, we've received um, over... So we've received over 3,000 applications in the last three weeks. Yeah. 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 So, so, Sue, when, when people have... Um, have access issues to education, um, we can imagine quite easily how they need support with hardware. Some families don't have enough devices. That's one part of the picture. Um, are there common standards for laptops and, and other hardware across state schools? Yeah, so we actually, uh, we looked at what was being used across the majority of state schools and that's what we supplied. And we made sure that they were configured with what was required. So, you know, the programming programs on them and um, and also, obviously, internet, because a lot of families can't afford um, internet connectivity, so we had to find, um, you know, device, USB devices that can be, you know, easily configured, you know, for multiple devices. And we actually just... We've sent out over 1,500 of those in the last few days. That's an amazing effort. I'm working on one of those sort of devices myself because the Wi-Fi just cannot be relied upon. Um, when you are looking at students and you're sort of mapping them out, is is the is the sort of disadvantage you're seeing mapped with other patterns of disadvantage that you'd expect to see across the state? Um, you know, it's not as obvious um, as you might think. So oh, it's really quite, it's becoming more widespread. So the Mornington Peninsula is, is a, a big pocket, but then so is the West, so is the southeast. You know, it's, it's actually much more widespread than perhaps people might realise. And, and, and Sue, in the last couple of days, we've heard the, the state government put together a roadmap for uh, students returning to school. Is that presenting any other challenges considering it's a staggered approach? Um, look, I think that it's we've now got to sort of pivot back to what we were doing to make sure we can su support kids going back to school. Um, and some of the things, one of the things we have done as well is um, purchase a whole lot of individual um, hand sanitizers for kids that can't afford it so they can go feeling like everyone else. So it's constantly looking at what 
what the needs are and then how we can help and make, making sure that um, kids feel like they belong because I think as a young person there's nothing worse than just feeling like you're different to everyone else and not having what everyone else has. But it's all about self-esteem and making sure that those you know young kids and, and young people can feel like that they can get to school and feel like everyone else. And for this, at this particular time, it's a really um, delicate time for disengagement. So kids who are on the verge of aging, this is a really, really mm. crucial time. So we've got to try to keep them engaged. Oh, absolutely. Are you seeing any gaps in um, the training, the basic digital literacy of, of the students that you're helping out? Is there a gap to be filled there as well? No, not so much. I think they're pretty they're pretty savvy. Once they get a device, they know exactly what to do with it. So, not so much. I think it's you know one of the one of the, the young men that I met um, at Western Port Secondary College Friday. He was just so frustrated because he really wants to succeed, and he was working off a broken mobile phone with limited data. So, just having that laptop has made the world of difference to him, and he's just you know he was just so happy. He, it's like Christmas for them when they classes. It's quite amazing. That's great that they can still pick up those devices quite quite easily because you would worry that it would be yet another thing to learn on top of. You yeah. know? I think because they have them at school, I think when you're disadvantaged and you're at school, there's at least, you know, devices that you can borrow or you have them in class. But when you're at home, you know, they have nothing. We've got you know, families who have mm-hmm. multiple children, four or five or ten children with one device, and that's an impossible situation. Glad to know that the schools have moved on a bit from the times that we were learning how to type on um, little mm. laminated pieces of paper, like printouts of what a keyboard looks like. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> that it was, you know, maybe a school that was in, a, in an environment that was slightly struggling for a little while. Um, so it's incredible to hear what you're doing. How big is your organisation? How are you managing to lease and deploy and provision software and do all these sorts of things in in such um, at such scale and with such speed? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. We're actually quite a small organisation. We've got 25 employees, so we're not huge, um, but we're very we're a passionate, passionate people, and we're all working. And we've got we've got help from organisations who are making sure the computers come ready, you know, with, with what they need to have on them. Um, and we're just working. I mean, well, the great thing about this is everyone is really, really working. You know, nobody's paid off. We've got plenty of work for, for people to be doing. Our warehouse is busy. You know, everyone, every part of the organisation is, is flat chat, which is a good thing. That is amazing that you've, you know, jumped into action where there's been need. Um, I wonder, you know, how does the word spread for people to to know about you, to access your services? Is it through teacher networks, um, other school community channels? Yeah, we look, I've been, you know, in this role for two years. I'm CEO and my aim is to make sure that we're not just relying on, on teacher networks and um, within the school ecosystem, I'm trying to make sure that every parent, everyone who needs it, knows about our organisation. And then, yes, it means via the school, but we can help with that if there are issues. But the main thing is that people know our name and what we do, and we're quite different to any other organisation because we help any student in a state school. It's not just select, you know, schools or select students. It's, you know, these are available to anyone that needs the help. Yeah. Um, so, so when, when you were um, bringing all of this kind of uh, technology together, 
You were, did you find that? Uh, I mean, there must be standards. There must be things that you have to, uh, I suppose, follow in terms of guidelines. Um, how did you make sure that you were able to do to to sort of get the right equipment? Yep. So we work uh, really closely with the Department of Education, and we are state government as well. So um, it's we've, we've got really close uh, networks within the Department of Education. So we know that what we're doing is is, uh, you know, appropriate and, uh, you know, standard and what the schools require. So, Sue, if we've got listeners out there tonight and they're very, very excited and um, grateful to hear about what your organisation is doing, what are the best ways that they can support State Schools Relief? Yep, so we're always looking for fundraising. We are, we are um, funded to but we need, you know, for us to be able to do what we do, we really do appreciate um, any sort of donations. People can go to our website, which is ssr.net.au um, but if they need help equally they can go to the website they can call or they can go via their school to seek um, assistance. Um, if you're a teacher we have payroll giving so $5 a pay can go a long way um, we also sell our school shoes which we have our own school shoes and we actually sell those as part of the social enterprise so um, $65 for a pair of school shoes that you need for your kids and that supports three other kids that in need. So that's a really great way of helping us too. Uh, it's tremendous. Look, it, in these um, you know pretty stressful times, it is such a ray of light to hear your story, the good work that your organisation's doing, and um, I hope that you know the students out there are feeling really supported. Um, hopefully, some of them are even thinking about careers in IT. Uh, we can only hope. Uh, Sue, thanks so much for sharing your organisation story with our listeners this evening. Thank you for your time. It's been great talking to you. It's been great. It Thanks, is Dan. Seven thirty-one. You are listening to Bite Into It on Three Triple R with Warren. Oh, no, Warren's not here. Dan, <laughs> Vanessa, and Mays. I'm, I'm... This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. You're with Bite Into It with Dan Mays and Vanessa. Thanks for tuning in. We've just been joined by the inspirational Free Play Festival director, Free Play being the independent games festival that Melbourne is so proud of. Welcome, Chad Toprak. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, uh, you run a festival that is a highlight in wintertime in Melbourne. It's Free Play. And obviously this year, all sorts of events are having to pivot to uh, to virtual offerings. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what Free Play is doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you all know, we've, we've had to pull all our in-person um, events uh, online. Uh, and so we're, we, we're no longer having any uh, in-person uh, activities this year. Um, lucky, luckily for us, we've had a number of online components to our festival in the past. Like we've had online talks since possibly 2015. And, um, and so this year it was just a matter of expanding that to the, to the whole um, uh, five days of the festival and, um, I guess the most challenging thing for us has been to um, come up with ways that uh, uh, come up with ways that kind of fit um, uh, the the experimental nature, I guess, of 
the festival. And so, you know, for the last uh, couple of years, we've had uh, a night market, for example. And so we've um, been thinking hard about how we can uh, host something like that online this year. And we're still we're still figuring it out, but um, hopefully over the next couple of uh, weeks we'll have something uh, exciting to announce. Very cool. So you are thinking of doing some sort of night market type thing still? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, it yeah. must be really hard to still get that tight networking opportunity where people are making friends, you know, just at lunch times and things like that. What how how do you go about that with just with an online yeah, conference? Yeah, so I think one of the, the, the one of the most challenging things about hosting um, online festivals or conferences is the, that you you lack that that in person face to face kind of uh, interaction and engagement, um, and it's it's something that we are still trying to grapple with as well. Like I don't have an answer just yet. Um, but hopefully through uh, things like the, the online night market, um, we will hopefully bridge that gap a bit. Um, I think what works really well is to just have an online space where people can congregate and be able to interact and engage with each other. That isn't just a Zoom call with 20 people <laughs> speaking over Yes, those are channel. impossible. I'm yeah. so fatigued of the Zoom call, Chad. But yeah. I believe that the rise of the barter economy right now might just really suit your festival. Mm. Absolutely. Might be a way to have, you know, all your digital assets at play instead of um, the regular market. Hey, I was very um, warmed by the theme announcement for the festival this year. The theme is belonging um, when you were kicking around with that, that concept, uh, was that prior to these lockdown times? Or, it was, it know, was actually okay. prior Recent. to the to the whole COVID-19 outbreak. Um, I was at the time thinking about um, where we as, as game makers and, and artists uh, kind of belong in, in society and, like, what's our purpose? What is, what is our contribution? And... Mm. Um, and also thinking about games, like where do games belong in the broader arts sector? Um, do you and feel like that's become clearer now that COVID has happened? I know that among fellow developers, we feel like there's this new light shone on us as we become one of the predominant forms of entertainment now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a really exciting opportunity to kind of um, not only showcase all the, the exciting offerings that, that games have to offer, but also to have that deeper, more meaningful conversation around it. And I think that's where free play kind of comes in to kind of uh, foster a space where those uh, critical conversations can take place. Chad, so, free play. Oh, sorry. Go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering what new... We've talked a little bit about um, things that are harder to do online, but what new things have you been able to manage now that it is online? Yeah. Um, has has there anything more opportunities come up? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one of the most exciting things about this year's free play is that um, because it's all online now, we're able to 
uh, reach out to and, and include uh, so many more international speakers in our in our speaker lineup. Um, previously, especially with with the in-person conference, we're only limited to who can who we can fly over as our keynotes. But this year round, um, hopefully, we get to hear from all sorts of uh, people from across the world. So, Chad, I hear that you are currently accepting speaker submissions. Would you like to uh, shout out our audience a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, while our uh, program committee and festival team uh, figures out what the uh, the, the, con the festival uh, schedule will be, um, we're still open to uh, speaker submissions. And I strongly encourage anyone that has any sort of interest in, in video games to, to apply. Uh, we're, we're really wanting to push the experimental nature of the, uh, the festival this year. So um, whether you want to be streaming your favourite game online or just wanting to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with another passionate game maker or, or video game player, um, I think it's uh, a very low barrier entry uh, to to uh, get involved, I can't think of a festival that's better placed to to have everything virtual and actually make it really fun and and experimental. Um, Chad, have you got any surprises up your sleeve for us? Do you think that you know that people need to to brace themselves for for wacky new experiences? Oh, I think our keynote is going to be pretty amazing. Um, we have Bahia Khan from uh, South Africa, who will be our keynote for this year. Um, and honestly, even I don't know what she, she has planned. I think it's going to be <laughs> extremely delightful and fun and, uh, and and also quite deep and personal as well, knowing Bahia. Um, but, yeah, that, that's something to look forward to. Other than that, I think having an online awards ceremony will be quite fun and interesting. Um, we'll all be dressing up at home and and, uh, <laughs> and tuning in. <laughs> the last time I saw Bahia speak was in Cape Town um, and Bahia talked about the influence of My Chemical Romance on uh, <laughs> their, <laughs> their games process and their life. Um, yeah. And it was incredibly inspiring. So I'm I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I'm starting to get a sense of this and also feeling a little old for this festival now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where's Cassandra Wright when we need her, the My Chemical Romance expert of the Byte team? Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chat. Chad, will be will the festival be on Twitch or Instagram or how many be, different platforms yeah, will so it will be spanning? It'll be streamed on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Um, I think most people will just uh, like we'll be sharing the YouTube uh, URL on our social media, so most people will just be tuning in from there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'll also have. have um, workshops that'll be uh, limited in, in seats, so it'll be like sign up, you know, kind of first come first serve situation. Um, but for anyone who misses out on that, um, they can also just tune in uh, on the live stream on YouTube. 
Very cool. So is that the kind of thing where you get told, like, the materials that you need in advance or what sort of? Yeah. Well, uh, traditionally we've had um, workshops around, you know, zine making, um, improv and theatre and so on. And um, those were really lovely components to have as part of a festival. Um, not only because they were like uh, games adjacent, but also they were like fun activities to, to just do with a small group of people. And I'd, I, I, I'd really like to, to continue that tradition. Um, so this will be, I think, the third year we've had um, those two particular workshops. And um, yeah, it'd just be nice to just be at home with a couple of pieces of paper making a zine um, uh, with people from across the, the screen. Um, I yeah. love or it. Even I know that Natalie Lawhead has released a, a digital zine maker as well. I wonder exactly. if that could be incorporated. Exactly. <laughs> Very so cool. Chad, uh, Mays kicked off the show with the, a news item letting us know that celebrities and, um, you know, amazing screenwriters and what have you had been hosting talk shows within Animal Crossing New Horizons. Mm. Would, you know, would a, a game be a good, um, you know, virtual environment for your audience or do you, do you try not to be too product-oriented? No, I think we'll have a good couple of talks that take place in-game. I think that format is quite lovely and fun and delightful. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we'd love to have uh, an Animal Crossing uh, or, or, like, we, we have a number of developers who have online kind of open-world um, video games that you can play with other people. You know, I'm thinking Ian McClarty's Red Desert Render, just had, like hopping on board Red Desert Render with, with someone else and having a an in-conversation while you traverse this Australian landscape would just be yes. Oh, you have set a scene there, Chad. Look, I don't want to overdo the scene setting because <laughs> the festival's still a little bit away. Um, listeners should keep an eye out for the Free Play Independent Games Festival for 2020. It's running from June 10 to 14. Uh, Chad, would you like to shout out the website? Yeah, so you can find us at www.replay.net.au. Chad Toprak, thank you very much for your time this evening. You're a good man and we cannot wait to hear about this festival as the uh, program gets announced. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on board. Easy. Triple R. It's a, it's good fun. Dan, you are coping so well with us not being in the same room now. This oh, is great. Oh, yeah, you know, I struggle most of the time, but I'm starting to get <laughs> used to it. When we're in the same room again, I might just go over to another studio and you guys can be in one and I'll be in the other. I love hey. it. <laughs> I'd never do that to you guys. I love you too much. Ah, so. <laughs> what, what do we have in weird news of the week this week, guys? Well, look. We have robots in. Maze, please, sorry. Have you seen this? Oh. Look, Singapore. No, it's just so. Yeah, oh, those. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you about it if you haven't <laughs> seen it. 
So for those who like to watch the Boston Dynamics robot videos, if you've seen the one with the canine robot that is incredibly agile and fast and a little scary looking, Singapore has gone and released those little buddies in their parks. They come up to people if they're not keeping um, distance from other people and they tell them to get away from each other and I'm sure they do it in a polite way. But... So they've it got robots policing people, people doing uh, their social distancing. See, Singapore, right. I mean, we've, we've got Singapore to blame for the idea of an app that kind of, you know, tracks where we are and makes sure that we're, um, you know, keeping our distance. So it doesn't surprise me that they've got robots doing no. that now. But so the other thing they, they monitor is if you're wearing your mask or not oh. because they've got requirements around wearing masks in public. Uh, do, is it, does it monitor whether you've got your app on the phone? I don't believe so. That would be an interesting little bit of, you know, I'm sure it wouldn't be. I don't think it's mandatory. Be. No, it, yeah, no, but I guess, you know, it could recommend you to, to do it, you know. Put, <laughs> keep, if, if, yeah. I'm sure that the, there is capability there for them to put some kind of sensor on a robot to say, mm, I see a person, I see a mask, okay, tick, tick. You don't have the app, maybe you should. Like, I Time don't know. Time to draw a line in the sand, isn't it, and say the day that a, a robot dog is recommending me my app, that is that is not an app I'm downloading. That oh, is look, not a good day. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with a robot um, telling me to put a mask on, much less download an app. Like, I mean, I don't want to be told to do it by a robot unless it's absolutely necessary. And until the last minute, like, we're already careening down towards a moment when the oh. robots are going to be running everything. Do we really need to actively pursue it? The terrible thing is I have such respect for the robot designers. I mean, these are amazing pieces of technology. Oh, man. So some of the Boston Dynamics stuff you see, like the, the, the videos, and I'm not sure if it was a real one where the, where the robot fought back. It might have actually been a person in a robot <laughs> costume. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very well-known YouTube, YouTube group who do uh, those robots fight back and all of the fake videos. <laughs> oh, incredible, it is only a matter of time but before the robots can do that. I was about though. this robot dog in particular because – like it is that design that we saw in those Black Mirror episodes of the yes. robots, oh, yes. <laughs> and and we see this robot in particular in a lot of action films as well. And they haven't like made any effort to make it look nicer or anything. Cuter, like, less threatening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, like, like if it also no told jokes, you know, yes. or if it also gave out flowers, could it come out in a pastel so color? Or even, yeah. Yeah, even if they just put like a dog kind of outer, not a real dog skin, but like made it look like a dog, it it's oh a God. it looks like a robot. Oh my gosh. Like it, it, it's. I got... think I'd still be terrified. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's there's no way of sugarcoating this. It is a terrifying, terrifying thing. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm encouraging friends in Singapore to go out and get real-life experiences to share with us. So let's see how we go with our, you know. <laughs> if they survive. <laughs> our gonzo journalism oh, attempts man. in um, Singapore. I, I, I'm yeah, looking forward to hearing. let's see them on TikTok. I want it. Oh, man. TikTok videos with this robot will be incredible. Uh, <laughs> man. Guys, it is 7.54. We're going to hear one more message and then come back to bring the show home. Einstein at Go-Go. Sundays at 11am. Hosted by me, Dr Shane, along with my team of science colleagues and over 100 local and international guests every year. We explore the wonders of science and its impact on the world. Tune in to Einstein at Go-Go via FM, digital, online, on demand or via the app. 
It is 7.55. We've got five minutes left of Bite Into It on 3RRR with Vanessa, Mays and Dan. That was Einstein the Gogo with Dr Shane A.O. Can I just say he didn't introduce his, uh, is it Order of Australia or a Medal of the Order of Australia that he has now? We're all very proud of him here at RRR. Yes. Super proud. Hey, a couple of events to shout out. Um, the ninth Global Accessibility Awareness Day is coming up. It's next Thursday, the 21st of May. And there's a ton of events around the world to help people think and learn about digital access and inclusion for people with all sorts of different disabilities. Um, you can check it out at globalaccessibilityawarenessday.org. There's also a local chapter of Ally Bites, Ally spelt with A. 11Y. Um, and they are hosting an event that night, a virtual event. It'll be Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane from 4 to 6 p.m. It's also listed on the Global Accessibility Awareness Day.org site as an event. But yeah, look out for Ally Bites. They're doing amazing things. Um, they'll be doing eight presentations talking about access. So that's something awesome. Yeah, there's also this um, art project, Calder Arts, um, is hosting the Australian version of, in brackets, Do It. Um, it's a worldwide artist-led project initiated by Hans Ulrich Obrist in 1993. And basically, um, artists will post weekly instructions every Wednesday, starting today, and then online you can do your submissions making a sort of online global arts participatory oh. event. Yeah. Oh, that's we'll be cool all over this. I love that. And I it... hope so. I read um, one of the instructions today is cut two ends of a cucumber off, put one end on your forehead and one end on your someone in your house's forehead, and when the ends fall off, that's the end. <laughs> 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 Very Yoko Ono experience, oh, isn't man, it? man, that is I incredible. That's amazing. I'm doing it. <laughs> um, it's not quite as good as making an earth sandwich. I want to find someone on the other side of the globe to me. We can both put a piece of bread down. You take a photo. You make the earth sandwich. It's doable. <laughs> it's absolutely There's a doable. website to help you find. There's only yeah. like seven or eight places in the world where land meets land, you surprisingly. Can do it. Yeah, yeah. No, and did you know the other side of the world oh. from here is just off the coast of Spain? Very nice. That sounds like an attractive place to make a very wet earth sandwich. <laughs> hey, big thank you to our guests this evening. We've had State Schools Relief CEO Sue Carzas and Free Play Festival Director Chad Toprak. Um, we are really stoked that there's so many positive news stories coming out at the moment. It's, it's challenging times, and yet I feel like we're seeing some of the best of our community, um, particularly in the technology space, uh, people really going out of their way to pivot their organisations and, uh, yeah, really look out for where there's people in need. So I think as much as we can be a little cynical on this show, we do love technology at heart and we love to see it being used for good. So um, if you've got uh, any leads on, on stories like this, hey, you can always hit us up at biteintoit at rrr.org.au. We're always happy to hear from you. Um, I want to say – oh, sorry. I was going to say we're also yeah. furiously checking our Twitter as well. So, if you, so you can tweet us at, at biteintoit um, and, you know, we'll, yes. we'll definitely take what you say on board and uh, probably reply yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah, we keep that relatively up to date. I mean, you know, it takes us a few a few weeks to keep our graphics changed after the next <laughs> campaign's gone. <laughs> you know, we get there. It's like April just, to see you though. Okay. <laughs> the latest graphics are just too cute. They're going to stay there for a while. I, I couldn't bear to change them. They're just so beautifully done. Um, 
Yeah, I always look forward to that whenever we get a new um, a new campaign or a new trip mag out. Um, hey, I wanted to do a shout out to our podcaster, Yazan Saif. Normally, they would be beavering away, getting our podcast ready every week, but at the moment, we're not letting them. So, <laughs> when that all comes back on, we'll make a big song and dance about it. But I do hope that you're able to catch up on all the shows you love on demand as usual thanks to our talks producer elizabeth mccarthy as always hey we've been by into it we'll be back next wednesday evening with a different rotation of our crew um stay tuned for the international pop underground of anthony carew thanks maze thanks dan have a good evening everyone thanks have a good week Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.